Well, good morning, YouTube world. <laughs> good morning, family. Good to be here this morning. Welcome if you're joining me live. Welcome if you are watching this broadcast later. I'm so glad to be here today. I didn't think that I was going to be doing a live one this morning. I thought, no, I'm just going to take the morning off and get some rest. And then yesterday, y'all just woke me up with something on my brain. So I'm going to share that with you guys this morning. And I hope it blesses you. You know, I was reading a book, um, this one right here. It's called Counted with the Stars. It's really Connellan Cossett is the author. And it's just been so interesting. This series, this particular one that I'm reading is called Out from Egypt. And it's a historical fiction which is based on the first exodus of the people of Yasharel coming out of slavery and bondage in the mixed multitude who came with them. She really kind of concentrates in that area. And I just think it's it's been so interesting. So good morning. Let me just say good morning. Good morning to my husband, Robert. So good to have you here. Good morning to Lee and to James, to Past Present Herbs, to Nina, to my friend Wire Wool. Just good to see all of you here today. And I'm, I'm so glad you're here with me. So let's have our coffee together and Lolo Shalom. Good, good to see you. So I'm, I'm still having my coffee. I'm trying to wean it down since I'm going to do this, um, this anti-inflammatory diet. I'm still wrapping my head, my head around it. I'm like taking away one little thing at a time going, okay, I can do this. Right. <laughs> Talking to Carrie about it. Um, but anyway, I, I'm reading this book and, um, what hit me was a phrase out of the scriptures that I'm going to share with you that's, that says he gives us beauty for ashes. So let me, I just started writing when this hit me yesterday morning. I was in bed just with my Bible and, and books and, and notebook and said, okay, you know, just started, you know, taking notes about what y'all was putting on my heart. And then I typed it in. So let me just read to you what I had. It says, I'm reading a book by Connellan Cossett called Counted with the Stars, the story of an Egyptian slave girl who ends up caught up in the exodus of the Hebrews coming up out of Egypt. She had been an Egyptian born into high status of the culture who's, and her family fell on very hard times. So her family sold her into slavery, thinking it was the best option for the whole family to survive because she was strong and she would survive it. Wow. Um, you know, she didn't realize in the story what had gone on. She just like comes home from a shopping trip and boom, it's done. And she is no longer uh, in an exalted position, but she, her, 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 literally her shoes are taken away, you know, and she, her feet have to toughen up and she has to get, you know, she had been a very pampered person and suddenly she's thrust into this situation where she's got to haul water and, you know, haul, you know, lift things. And I mean, she's got to walk long ways without shoes and, you know, difficult, difficult circumstances. Right. So in the story, Sorry, I needed a little coffee. In this story, 
Oh, thank you, Nina. Nina says, off subject, but Shell, you look so pretty. I love the shawl and the hat. You know what, Nina? That just makes my day. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I like it. Uh, it's cold here. <laughs> and um, and sometimes, you know, we just have our bad hair day. So I thought, hmm, <laughs> maybe this would work. <laughs> but thank you so much. <laughs> oh, so funny. Um, in the story, so this this girl in the story, she is struggling to understand who Yah is. What kind of a god, what kind of an Elohim, right? Because she comes from the culture of many gods, would destroy an entire nation, her people, because she's Egyptian. And how could an Elohim capable of that kind of destruction care for an insignificant Egyptian slave girl. That's literally what it keeps going through her thoughts. You know, she experiences surviving the plagues and escaping out of Egypt and the parting of the sea, the destruction of Pharaoh's army, the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night and water coming out from a rock. But when she, but when she figures out that Yah is real for herself and would care about her. You know, it doesn't, she's not doubting what she's seeing him do, but she's thinking, but he would never even give me a glance is what's going on in her brain, right? So when she knows that he is real and, and hears her prayers is when she's been captured by um, a, a band of Amalekites and she prays that her Hebrew friends would be victorious in the battle. This ends up being the very battle where Moshe's arms had to be held up, right? That's that's the battle that's being described in the book. So she's praying that her Hebrew friends would be victorious in the battle, and they are. And she's rescued by them. And she finally understands that Yah heard her prayers and answered her prayers, even though she was nothing but a lowly Egyptian slave girl that had been had been rescued out of that, you know, and, and caught up in the exodus. She realizes this as she deals with the death of her mother. And this is the part of the story I really wanted to get to, to, to explain to you guys. As she deals with the death of her mother, because in this Amalekite raid, um, her mother is killed, Okay. Now, her mother had also escaped Egypt with her and had previously made the decision that out of her two children, that the daughter was the one who needed to be sold into slavery. Okay, so, you know, they're reunited in the Exodus. And this poor girl who was sold into slavery has all these questions, you know, why did this happen? She thought the whole time it was her dad and it wasn't. It was her mom who had made the decision. And there's lots of intricacies in the whole plot. And in case you want to read the book, I'm not going to give that part away. <laughs> right. But what she must face is expressed in this little paragraph of the book that I want to read to you. It says, I missed my mother so much. I ache to hear her voice again. This is after she has died. Right. There were still so many things I had never told her, questions left unanswered, memories yet to be made. She would never see me married or hold a grandchild in her arms. I longed to tell her of my love for Eben, the man she's falling in love with, and of the experience I had on the floor of the tent 
when Yahweh surrounded me in love. Her face on the morning that the manna had appeared, she said, I asked for bread and he provided. See, her mother had become a believer in Yahweh and it was the manna that did it for her, right? She said, she had said she must have understood at least in part, but still I'd only begun to know her, to see her not as some goddess far above my reach, but as a fallible and lovely human, weak in some ways and strong in others. And I thought, you know what? I've had very similar experiences and I know some of you guys have too, you know, to where there's been rocky things that have happened in the past and there's been people in our life that we want to stick up on a pedestal and, and say that they're, they're this, you know, but then their humanity shows up and we have to deal with it. And we have to deal with our own disappointment sometimes in their behavior or their decisions. And yet it doesn't mean we throw them away. We still love them, you know, and, and you see that, especially with, you know, uh, people that we admire or we, you know, had great esteem for our parents or leaders or, or different things like that, you know, and that can be so hard when somebody that we admire has been, you know, their, their image has somehow been tarnished in our, in our brains, but yet we're still called to have relationship and to love them and care for them. Yeah. I, I know, I know Lee, Lee's telling me I can really relate. I, I knew you would. And so, so anyway, she sees her finally, not as some God as far as above her reach, but as a fallible and lovely human, weak in some ways and strong in others. And this is what gave me the title of what today's message is going to be. It's going to be about beauty for ashes. And I've got some scripture to share with you. But as soon as I read this yesterday, you know, I, I thought about it and I started journaling and I just want to read to you what I wrote in my journal yesterday. 2123. What is beauty? Good morning, Asia. So glad you could join us this morning. What is beauty? Hero ver worship versus reality. As humans, we like to elevate a hero, a role model. But Yah gives true beauty from ashes. He takes what is weak and shows his strength in the, in the midst of our weaknesses. He breaks us down and builds us up again. To appreciate real beauty is to see the scars it took to overcome, not the plastic perfection that the world wants us to admire. Beauty is born out of having to be resilient, having to have long suffering, being faithful in the midst of battle, learning to endure through tears of frustration, just trying to remain true to our convictions despite persecution, jealousy, resentment, or accusations. It is continuing to believe despite our failures, despite hardships that come our way, despite setbacks and pain. It is determination to set your face like flint despite contrary evidence appearing to be reality. It is looking to our maker and trusting his plan of perfection, even when that means a loss in our personal lives. So there's this scene out of um, the series, The Chosen. And I know some like it, some don't, you know, 
and, and I'm not trying to push that, but it has ministered to me. And probably this scene that I'm going to describe to you has ministered to me far more than any other. You know, in the very first episode of the first season, Yahusha meets with Mary Magdalene, right? And and sets her free from the from the multitude of demons. It said seven demons, right? And and whatever problems that she was having, you know. And so later on in the series. A Roman uh, marries out picking fruit and flowers and just living the life with the with the disciples and the and the other followers of Yahusha, right? And she's just just so glad to to be there, you know. And um, and she sees a Roman soldier, and and it flashes to a scene in there in in this in this episode where she's like, you can tell she's going back into, she's having like post-traumatic stress disorder where that having been violated by a Roman soldier is what comes up in her brain. And she's right back to the person that she was. And her brain is just scrambled from the memory, you know, because of the trauma was so intense. So, she tries to make it through, but then another incident comes along and, and they have to encounter a demoniac, like the man of the tombs type thing to where he was just filled with a legion of demons, right? And and Yahushua sets him free, but still it brings up that, that past for her. Even though he's set free, for her, it stirs up the residue of what Hasatan had already tried to do in her life, you know, and stirs it all up, right? So it's like it's there again. That's what post-traumatic stress disorder is like, you know, and she relapses, okay? And she runs back to the bar, which had been her comfort zone before Yahusha had set her free. Her brothers in the faith go search for her and they find her and they bring her back to the safety of the fold. But she is afraid to approach Yahusha because of the shame of her relapse. She says, he already fixed me once, but I broke again. Gosh, I really relate to that. And I'm going to tell you a story of why, you know, that's it triggered. This is, that's exactly what happened. Lee's got it. it it's triggered. She was triggered, right? So this happens to us. Okay. And failure, when we get triggered or we make a mistake, failure is so hard for us to get over. And this is what's in my journal. I wrote, I don't know why we think upon salvation that some magic pill is going to make us superhuman, right? It makes us think for a minute that now now we have it all under control, right? We expect perfection from ourselves and sometimes from others. This is why we put them on a pedestal, right? This is not reality. It is the ability to admit our mistakes and bring our failures to the foot of the cross, to repent, confess our sins, and to be cleansed that makes us truly beautiful. 
right? It's all those scars from the failures. It's, it's all those things to where it hurt, you know, and we had to bring it to him and allow him to fix us again, again and again and again, right? I believe that's why it says today is the day of salvation, right? Because every day it can be a struggle and we're going to miss the mark, which is which is why I think that when he was washing the disciples' feet and he explained that whole thing to Peter, you know, he said, you know, I'm going to need to wash your feet. And Peter's like, well, then wash my whole body. He's like, no, it's not that. It's not like, it's not like you were haven't don't have any experience with me. It's not like you, you know, lost everything, but you're walking around in the world. You know, you're in the world now, now that you know me and you live with me and in me, you live and move and have your being. It's, you know, you're not in the, of the world anymore, but you're still in it and you're going to get dirty and you're still human. You're, you're still in a body of flesh. Okay. You have not graduated yet. We, we see through a glass darkly, we know we gaze upon him and we cannot see him totally clearly yet, you know, we, we are looking towards that and we're walking towards that, but our feet are going to get dirty and we're going to make mistakes and we're going to say things we shouldn't. We're going to act out in ways that we shouldn't, you know, we're, we're, we're human. It's going to happen. Right? So I want to share these scriptures with you. And then I've got a story, one more story to tell you and a song to share with you. But I'm going to go ahead and add this to this, the screen right now. Beauty for Ashes. Okay. Thank you, Nina. I'm so glad. Nina says, wow, she totally gets and understands that part of scripture. Now, I'm so glad. That's, that's what all this is about, right? Okay. So. Beauty for ashes. Let's take a look at it. Where is this in scripture? It's in Isaiah 61. And I'm just going to read the whole chapter for us. Okay. Because I love taking things in context. It says the Ruach Adonai Yahuwah is upon me. Now, remember, this is what Yahusha went into the temple and read. He opened the scroll and this is what he read, right? And said, this has been fulfilled today in your presence, right? And they, they tried to kill him for it. <laughs> but this is what he came to give us. When we're talking about the Besora, right? We're talking about the good news. This is the good news. Okay. This is what he does for us. Okay. In our humanity. All right. Says the Ruach Adonai Yahuwah is upon me because Yahuwah has anointed me to preach the Basora, right? To, to preach the good news unto the meek, right? Those who come to him in meekness saying, I'm not all that in the bag of chips. I actually need your help, right? That's that meekness. It's the acknowledgement of our inability to walk perfectly in his way. You know, it's our, it's our meekness to say, I'm, I'm, I'm working towards it. Yeah, but I need your help, right? It's that meekness to admit our humanity before him and our failures before him. 
So here's what he said. He he sent he he was anointed. He has anointed me to preach the Bessarah unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh and the day of vengeance of our Elohim to comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. Now, a little later, I'm going to break down those words, okay? To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the Ruach of heaviness, that they might be called oaks of righteousness, right? He's he's comparing us to a mighty tree that has a deep, deep, solidly grounded root system. That's what he's saying, right? Because for everything you see above the ground of a big, mighty oak, below the ground is just as much that's rooting it, right? It's the root. And, and damage can happen to that tree. The wind can blow, uh, you know, uh, branches can get lopped off. It can lose all of its leaves. But as long as the roots stay intact, that tree's going to recover, right? It's it, That's why he tells us, be rooted and grounded in the love of Yahushua. This is what Paul admonished us to do. Be rooted and grounded in his love for you. Because as long as those roots stay where they're supposed to, we can withstand the storms, right? That Branches will regrow, leaves will come again, fruit will again form, as long as that root system stays intact, okay? All right, where was I in this? Okay, that they might be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of Yahweh, that he might be glorified, right? It's all for his glory. It's not for our glory. And when we keep that in mind, it's easier to not put people up on a pedestal, right? It's all for his glory. And they shall build the old waste. So he's talking about what our commission is in this, right? They shall build the old waste. They shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. I believe this is so prophetic for the days that we are living in and are heading towards, right? He's raising up this remnant to be able to be the hands and feet, the eyes, the ears, the mouthpieces, the body, right? The body of Yahusha. As we get our directions from the head, it's to perform his good works to those that are sick and mourning and blind and deaf and have no hope, right? But he's going to flow through us to meet these needs with the Bessarah, the good news of who he is and his kingdom, okay? So he's called us to repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations and look out in society. Our generations have been 
becoming more and more desolate as time has marched on, right? And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers, right? The sons of the of the alien shall come in and, and do these things for you. People are going to be brought in, even if it's just to work, to help keep others, you know, fed and, and to do some menial tasks as they're learning about Yah and learning about his kingdom. It's a beautiful thing. But ye shall be named the priest of Yahweh. Men shall call you the ministers of our Elohim. You shall eat the riches of the other nations. And in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. For your shame ye shall have double. And for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. See, look, it's everything that you endured. It's everything that caused the scars, that caused the pain. He's turning it. He's flipping it. It's all for a purpose. Nothing is without meaning. Okay? And for confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double, right? The double portion. Okay? And this is in the kingdom, right? Everlasting joy shall be unto them. For I, Yahweh, love judgment. I hate robbery for ascending smoke. I hate robbery for ascending smoke offering. And I will direct their work in truth, in emet, right? In truth. And I will cut an everlasting covenant with them. An everlasting covenant, right? It's never going to stop. Picking up in verse 9, and their seed, right? The, all their progeny, all their sons and daughters and granddaughters and grandsons, the seed, right? Even those that became uh, fruitful because of their ministry, right? That's still the seed because it's that good seed going forth, right? And their seed shall be known among the other nations and their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which Yahweh has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in Yahweh. My soul shall be joyful in my Elohim for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth her bud and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so Adonai, Yahweh, will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Uh, thank you, Wire World, my friend. Let me see if I can still drive this mouse. There we go. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate that, Wire World. She says, thank you, Yahweh, for sending fire from heaven today. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, so this is probably the hardest part of my talk. All right. This is where I'm going to bear my soul and my mistakes. Okay. So when I... First, and this is my my own beauty for ashes story, right? 
Um, and I've never told you guys this part of my story, but I think it's a really important part. You know, I, I've shared with you guys that I had a lifetime of, of alcohol addiction, um, a lot of, uh, you know, drug addiction, especially pharmaceutical things, you know, they had actually been given to me a lot as a child because I had broken my back and had lots of medical issues. And so I had easy access to those. And, and I realized they were just as effective as alcohol at, at numbing emotional pain. So I learned that from a very young age with my broken back, right? Because I, I broke my back at 11 years old. So anyway, um, at the age of 29, I had gone, you know, my child had died and I had ended up going into a treatment center to deal with my alcoholism, my addiction and my absolute broken heart. And I had stayed there for 90 days you know, and that is where I really began. I went to a Christian treatment center and that's where I began to get grounded with Yahusha. I mean, just at, well, grounded. I, I just barely, I got my toes stuck in the water anyway, you know, and I came to know that he was the king and I, and I knew I saw his character and I, I never wanted to leave his side again. Right. So, so that's where I was. And, um, and then I was married to, to a man that we had had the baby together and, and we had, we had very opposite reactions to what happened. I ended up running to the arms of our heavenly father and wanting to know him. And the husband I was married to became very, very bitter. And when I was to be released from treatment, we had a meeting you should have seen this, this, this counselor's face, right? We're at this Christian treatment center and, and my husband was Italian, like almost like mafia type Italian. Right. And so he, he comes in for the final meeting for me to be released, to come home. And, and this counselor decides that he's going to question him about his own drug use and alcohol use. Well, he gets livid in this meeting and he, you know, like flips up the table, you know, and he, and he points his finger at me and he goes, you, <laughs> and I was his wife, right? You make a decision right now, your life with me or this new God that you have found. And I sat there and I went, I choose God. <laughs> knowing that I probably just lost every earthly possession that I had. I mean, it was a mess, right? So anyway, I, I get out of treatment. I, I've had lifelong issues with my stepfather. And I, I won't go into all the details of that, but it wasn't good. But I had no place to go, right? And I did have a three-year-old to take care of. So this three-year-old and I had nowhere to go. And so I have to humble myself and ask my parents where it's still a house that's got plenty of alcohol and pain medication and all kinds of things going on in it. And, and I have, but I have to have somewhere to live for my daughter and I. And so I asked my parents and my dad doesn't even want me to come because I've caused problems in their life. And, and even though they've caused some in mine, I've caused a lot in theirs. But he decides to open it up and let it go and let me in. So 
I'm still thinking that this marriage can be saved. If I just pray enough, if I just do this, if I just do that, it's all going to end up working out. And the only scripture I keep getting is if an unbeliever wants to go, let him go. And that's what everybody that I'm newly friends with keeps sharing with me. And I keep seeing it over and over and it keeps playing through my head. And I'm like, I'm going to have to let it go. And, you know, and God was about to do some amazing things in my life. He was about to give me a way to, you know, go to college. And I mean, things were about to work out in my life, but I couldn't see that from where I was sitting, from where I was sitting. I, cause he burned all my clothes. He destroyed my car. I mean, he was so mad at me. He just destroyed every single possession that I had. Right. And I knew he would because I knew how vengeful he was. And when I sat there and I said, I choose God. I mean, I, I knew, I knew I was destroying everything in reality that I had, right? So I am still brokenhearted over this and I can't see, you know, all the good things that y'all has in store for me. And my dad has had to have oral surgery. So he has brought home some pain medicine and I am in tremendous emotional pain. And even though I've just been through this whole 90 day treatment and I've, you know, given up everything and I'm trying so hard and, you know, I am in such emotional pain that I go into my parents' bathroom that day and I take two of his pain pills, right? And then because I am a new believer, I'm so guilty that I can't stand being in my own skin. So I tell my dad when he comes home, and we have dinner. I said, I need to talk to you for a few minutes. And we go into his bedroom and I tell him what I've done. And he starts railing on me. There's nothing different about you. I knew that you hadn't changed. You're the same person you've always been. I mean, he just lets me have it, right? It just like it had always been in my life. So this time though, I look at him and I say, well, that's obviously not, not true because how in the world would I ever be sitting here admitting to you that I had done this? The person I was before would have never admitted it. I may have still failed. But at this point, I at least have the ability to tell you. This must just be waterworks week. I, you know, I didn't think I'd cry telling this, but yeah, it really does. It, it like brings it back to me because this is such an amazing story. So it was my, it was my shame. It was my failure, you know, but I told him about it and I'm telling him at least there is something different for me, you know? And so I start telling him what's different is that I've met God. I know who Jesus is now, you know, and he, he hangs his head and he said, he said to me, he said, well, I can't deny that you're different. He said, because you're right, you never would have fessed up to anything before. And he said, I can't deny that, that you are different. And he said, honestly, I wish I had what you had. He said, because I've just done too many things wrong in my life and too many bad things. And God would never want someone like me. <laughs> and I started laughing and I said, dad, <laughs> look who you're talking to. I said, Look, you know all the, you know, some of the crap I've done, <laughs> but, but you know what my life has been like. And I'm here to tell you, he loves me. 
So if he can love me, he can certainly love you. And my dad sat there and said, you know what? You've got a point. <laughs> You've got a point. And within no time at all, you know, that conversation ended and I ended up in a, you know, in a different place than where he ended up that we were moving and how, you know, I got my own place and was going to college. My dad ended up giving his life to the Messiah because of that conversation that prompted him. So out of my ash heap of failure became beauty. And I was like, wow, you know, what y'all can do, what y'all can do in the midst of a situation, even through our failures. So if you fail, if you fail, don't doubt that he can bring beauty from the ash heap when we bring it to him. We bring our failures to him and he washes our feet again and again. So let me add this back to the screen now that I've told you my own beauty for ashes story. So you guys know I love to look at the Hebrew. So I had to look at the words beauty and ashes, right? So it's interesting. They've got the exact same three letter, three letters, right? They come from the exact thing, the exact three letters. And I do love this. I, I have to... Um, share some of these comments. Um, Lee saying, praise Yahweh for his long suffering for us. Praise Yahweh for never giving up on us and for the seed Messiah plants in us that leads us to repentance. Absolutely. And my friend Wirewill is saying, Yahweh never waste an ounce of suffering, failure, or any ash heap on this earth. That is so true, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you guys for all your comments. I really appreciate it. You know, thank you, Asia and, and Nina. I really appreciate all that. And Lolo, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate y'all's support. So looking at these words, beauty and ashes. In beauty, we've got the pay olive rush. In ashes, we've got an olive pay rush, right? So it's the same three letters. One is pay ear and the other is effear. Okay, I just thought that was really interesting. So when we look at beauty, Brown Driver Briggs tells us it's a headdress, it's an ornament, it's a turban. Well, that didn't go far enough for me. So I looked it up into the etymological dictionary and the etymological dictionary, which I was using this, right? Okay, which for the podcast, I was using the etymological dictionary of biblical Hebrew um, by Mattyahu Clark. Okay, so I looked it up in there and it gives this defi definition for beauty for the word pay year to distinguish or stand out being seen in a good light. An adornment that's like a head dressing, right? Almost like being marked on your forehead, <laughs> something that makes you distinctive. Wow. You know, uh, when we think about that mark, you know, that tav, that that oat, the olive tav, right? Uh, being 
a mark, a sign, the Shabbat being a sign when we're in covenant with him. Th these things here, we're looking at the same thing, you know, think about the story of Joshua when, you know, Satan's accusing him, accusing him, right? And he says, and, and Yah says, no, bring a clean turban, right? Take that ashy mess off of him and wrap him in a clean turban, put a clean headdress on him, right? It's the same thing you know, to where he doesn't even smell like smoke, right? It is, it's, he does. I, I love this, what Beck is saying. Praise Yah, he walks in mysterious ways. He does, it's amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. So then the word ashes, it's a worthlessness. So he gives us beauty. He gives us this turban, this distinction, this light, you know, that that was ashes and so i looked this one up this ashes and the etymology etymology for this one this word that is a fear it means that you've been covered with something a covering that had enveloped you like ash falls on top of something and you can't see what's underneath the cognitive meaning is something that was exposed has been concealed right you know, for, for it has not been revealed yet what we shall be, but when when we see him, we shall be as he is, okay? that That's what this is talking about, in my opinion. So I just really wanted to share that with you guys today. And now I'm going to end. This is a song that when i was at that point in my life of learning to know who he was this was all back in the you know 90s this is early 90s and this was a song that i used to listen to over and over i'm not trying to endorse this artist i don't know where she is in her life right now but i wanted to share this song and let it soak into your spirit today may it minister to you so let me see if i can do this and you can see, you guys let me know when I'm about to hit play. Let me know that you're actually able to hear the sound. Okay, here it goes. It is
it out of there and remove this all righty oh good to see you this morning gabby glad you were able to join us too yeah it it is you know she's sharing a bit of testimony too you know we, we come from messy situations it's just the world we live in she said i must admit my own relationship with my parents is so complicated and such a mess i often lack the faith they will ever come to y'all much less through me yeah <laughs> and Marwell is saying, yep, she understands. She got a call about a year before her dad died. He was on the phone and said, I just got saved. Age 80. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's, I don't, you know, I tell you guys my stories. I'm, my stories are not unique. You know, I tell them because I know you guys can relate because each of you is going through your own battle and, and has the same type of situations and things going on. What I do hope is that if you're questioning it and you're having trouble with it, that me sharing my story will help you to just stay strong. That's all. All right. Well, I love you guys. I'm so glad you were here with me this morning. I've enjoyed this time with you. And um, I, I um, pray that you have a wonderful day. And that you come and join James and Lee this evening. They've got a great show at 5 p.m. tonight. I'm trying to remember the title. Maybe um, Lee can post it for us. I know I saw it, but, you know, sometimes I just get too much in my head and I can't remember it all. <laughs> but I know that, that they always bring a wonderful show of revelation and insight. And so I always look forward to that. And I hope you guys will join us and join us on uh, Telegram. Also, we have a great fellowship there to where we just keep each other encouraged. So blessings to oh, 90 seconds to midnight. That's right. I knew it had intrigued me. That's where they say that the doomsday clock is, right? <laughs> That's awesome. So I can hardly wait. It, it'll be wonderful. Okay. All right. Well, love you guys. And that is it for today. And um, I hope you are blessed and that you'll come back and join us later today. All right. Shalom and blessings. Bye, everyone. Hey.